And bienvenidos, listeners, and welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives. I'm Brian Ernst, your host for today's festivities, and in the den today is Mitch Brakeman versus Nathan Hanenfint. Today, our contestants will reveal and defend their top five Cinderella stories. And no, they are not allowed to tell mine as I am still in my first act. The boys will duke it out for the best underdog, rags to riches, and hard to believe stories of our time. For those of you that don't know the Cinderella story, here's a quick recap. A young white teen is settled with indentured servitude by her shitty family, and in a twist of events that gives off big she's all that vibes, some magic rats and an old lady ghost give her a makeover and send her out to entrap a man in ill fitting shoes. In an odd turn of events, her carriage turns to bottom shelf dollar store pumpkin puree, which leads to a dude with a food fetish to touch every girl's bunion laden feet in order to find his underage princess in a magical town where not a single two women share a size seven and a half. (sighs) Our first guest recently learned that pumpkin flavored dog laxatives are cheaper at Aldi than at Dollar Tree. It's Mitch Brinkman. How are you? Hi there. Yeah, uh, I'm, I actually have a trip planned today to go stock up on uh, cans of pumpkin, so my little pumpkin can, uh, you know, stay smooth, if you will. So minus a point for, for humanizing <laughs> an animal. Done. All right. Oh crap! <laughs> and his challenger is stuck between a rock and a hard place. He's won a lifetime supply of Coke Zero, but it's behind two-inch-thick cellophane that requires the world's sharpest knife to open it. It's Nathan oh, Hennenfins. That is. That's an impossible scenario. It'll, I'll never, it'll, it'll stay there for time immemorial. <laughs> and we're a bunch of dudes that like to get blown, blown to the moon. That is. So if you are a loved one, <laughs> so if you are a loved one is a fan, head on over to bizbear.biz to submit your suggestions. And if we indeed roll on the floor laughing, like we're using AOL instant messenger, we may just use it on the show. Special thanks to Steve. Less is more for submitting today's topic. And if you're new to the den, welcome. And let us wake you up with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber, Uber stand-out. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare-down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as a reminder, don't forget to stick with us until the end of the show, where I, Brian Ernst, will give you my Fast Five send-off, where I'll rattle off the definitive list of the top five failed store names that were too clever for their own good. Now, as host, I am entitled to institute a house rule for today's game. Off mic, I assigned each of you a catchphrase to work into today's show. Three bonus points will be awarded to the player that guesses the other contestant's phrase. So please keep your ears attuned and take an extra hit of caffeine today because not only do you have to sneak a phrase in, you have to be able to spot the others. Nathan, you won the pre-show IKEA furniture assembly with only one extra piece left over to Mitch's 16, so you, my master craftsman, will go first. You're number five. Okay. All right. I I started off with a fairly traditional sports Cinderella story. Uh, This would be the 2016 Leicester City FC Premier League Champions. Uh, Minus a point. Sports. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were they were a. uh, I'm gonna win you back, Brian. Okay, okay. Because this is gonna this is gonna bring another one of your favorite pastimes into the fold. So Leicester City is a a, was a sort of middling. Let's call them a provincial club, a smaller club. They Mm -hmm. were um, they were bought by a billionaire, which doesn't exactly make them sound like a Cinderella story. But eventually, they worked their way up into the Premier League through the football league system and at the beginning of this season uh the uh odds makers who normally are are pretty shrewd and don't don't leave uh, much margin for error but in this time they bungled it up and they gave leicester city fc five thousand to one odds to win a 20 team league 
And if you remember The Office, my favorite joke ever from the entire series of The Office was when Kevin said, uh, if somebody gives you 10,000 to one odds, you take that bet. If John Mellencamp ever wins an Oscar, I am going to be a very rich man. <laughs> and so, so these odds makers, uh, 5,000 to one for Leicester City and only a few people actually bet on them uh, because it seems so insane. And one guy bet 50 pounds. And I think by March, the season ends in May. By March, he had uh, he had the opportunity he could cash out. They were still in first place. And so he cashed out for 72,000 pounds. If he would have hung on to it and wrote it out to the end, he would have had uh, 250,000. Uh, there was another guy who had that's made correct. A $5 I did the quick. Bet. I did the quick math. That's an extra point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there was another. How much guy did he who, lose by cashing out early? Anyone? 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 Hundred seventy thousand dollars. So. <laughs> Plus one to Mitch. Sorry. Quick math. <laughs> All right, Nathan, continue. This is yeah, there was a, a podcast. There was another guy who had made a five-pound bet, and he had cashed out like three. 60% of it, and he ended up making something like 20,000 pounds overall. So anyways, these bookies had to pay out massively. So it's a heartwarming sports story, which, Brian, I know that doesn't necessarily tickle your fancy, but uh, seeing the the guys who run uh, the gambling institutions get cleaned out, I know is something that warms your heart. For sure. So that is my number five. Well, that, that is that is a great uh, resolution to the story. And if they ever make a great rags to riches uh, sports movie about this, I'm definitely going to watch it. So uh, can, I just, can, can, yes. can I just say you talk about this whole season and you don't once mention what sport they play or a, or a player on the team. He said Premier League. How can that be three points? I didn't give any points yet. Yeah, but OK. All right. I'm just saying <laughs> didn't mention a single player, didn't mention anything like some obstacles overcame um didn't mention Jamie Vardy the best Cinderella story on the whole team and even better than the team itself since he was not himself bought by a billionaire and infused with cash year after year I'm just saying wow you're getting very sensitive over your number five and you haven't even revealed it (laughs) yet it must not be this is the guy this is the guy who was snoring when I uh started this but he seems to be woken up now so Maybe we'll have a Cinderella story right here on this podcast. So, uh, Mitch, you need to hit yes. me with your number five. Better than a yeah. Premier my League number, story. Let's go. My number five doesn't need context for people to understand it because everyone understands it. And my number five is pork. Okay. Pork at the beginning, it's been shit on by holy books. Uh, it's been considered like the, the the filthy meat. Everyone considers pigs to be gross scary, nasty, oh, they roll in the mud, disgusting, um, I don't want a pork chop, oh, steaks are better, uh, chicken is, be- no, 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 pork, uh, ha- had, had a shit run too long, but now pork is at the top, baby, it is no longer the other white meat, it is the number one white meat, pulled pork, better than pulled chicken, and shredded beef, um, pork chops, amazing, succulent, juicy, uh, it's a classy dish, bacon, Bacon uh, it makes everything better, and it's incredible by itself. Uh, fillets get wrapped in bacon to make them palatable because fillets don't have enough fat in them to to, to be uh, cooked well on their own. And so pork is finally getting its due right now. And I know uh, recently in the past five years, it's been bacon mania. I mean, especially here in Chicago, we have bacon fests, you know, bacon-flavored vodka, bacon-flavored whiskey, bacon donuts, uh, bacon on your pizza – Bacon in your Brussels sprouts? Yes, it's even elevated a previously hated vegetable as well. Pork has finally taken the pedestal, and we are admiring it as we should. Barbecue is finally starting to catch on more so in this country. Real quality barbecue, not just you cook a meat and throw some throw some sauce on it that you buy at the store, but actually well-prepared you know, pork butts roasted for 24 hours, pulled apart with love, mixed with a little vinegar or something like that. So I'm putting pork here at number five because they, they, you know, people were afraid of back in the day, trichinosis. Uh, uh, you ain't, you ain't tricking me no more. Uh, pork is clean. Now pork is delicious. Pork is for your family. Uh, this has not been paid for by the pork board, but if the pork board does need someone on their roster to go out and scream the beautiful attributes of pork. Get at me porkies. All right. Thank you very much. 
you would make such a nice little pork boy. For, <laughs> 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 He's pork's poster child. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd get behind that. So, yeah, you yeah. are right that the, the fact that America now considers bacon to be a condiment is is, is mm-hmm. great. I love that. Bacon mm-hmm. does make everything better. I do mm-hmm. like my pork chops. I do like my pulled pork. Um, mm-hmm. you, d- you did say white meat a lot, so I was a little racist. So I was thinking about taking a point away, but you saved me with bacon. So I think you're all right there. Um, so uh, for this round... I am going to give Nathan, you're going to get two points for your story about gamblers. I love the fact that the bookies got it to them. And then, oh, uh, Brian, Mitch, uh, Brian, yeah, yes, sorry, sorry, excuse me. Go ahead. A interrupt lot of people. Oh, oh, I know. I know. I, I, I love to inter- just call me Mr. Uh, interrupty. Uh, you're Anderson. just porking um, in here. Let's go. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to oink right in here and just, uh, give you a, give you a little a pork tidbit here. <laughs> a lot of people think pork is, is unclean or not as clean as chicken. When in fact, Chicken is responsible for far more foodborne illnesses and poisonings throughout America than pork ever is on a yearly basis. Pork, you can cook pink. Chicken, you cannot. Okay? I just want to point that out. So for those of you out there listening at home thinking chicken's a much cleaner, easier to, to cook and safe meat. No, not true. Get on the pork uh, bandwagon, dive in the pork barrel, and get those bacon juices all over you. It's time for pork. All right. Thank you very much. Cool. Pontification over. You're still getting two points. All right. All right. <laughs> ah, <come> okay. On. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on to number four. Nathan, what do you got for us? Well, this one is just uh, something right out of my personal life. Uh, back in 2011, a full decade ago, uh, I was cold. Uh, well, <laughs> and okay. I, yeah, I know. Wow. I was cold. It was a spring yeah. day, and it, uh, the forecast was off by about a good 12, 13 degrees. And I was I think out. I meant emotionally. Okay. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> well, that, that hasn't changed. But uh, I was very chilly. It was a blustery day. And I went to a Marshalls wow. in order to warm up. And I got my number four, my tattered gray and black Calvin Klein zip-up hoodie <laughs> for $11. This bad boy wow. had been rejected. I'm going to hold it up for those watching on YouTube. Here it is. Wow. You can see it's it's a little worse wow. for the wear. Yeah, but it, she's hanging in there. And so <laughs> uh, so this guy has been with me for 10 years. I just wanted it to, to warm up that one day. Didn't think I would be hanging on to it. It, it kept me warm after nobody had bought it at the, the main retail stores. It had been passed down through the supply chain all the way to Marshall's where all the rejected clothes go to either be picked up by someone like me or eventually, I don't even know what happens when things aren't sold at Marshall's. I don't know where they go. I hesitate to even think about what fate might have befallen my beloved little tattered sweatshirt here. <laughs> this sweatshirt then went on out of obscurity to travel with me to 11 different countries, and I uh, it has been my go-to on cold spring days and chilly fall days. It's uh, the zip up, the zip up. It has you know the multiple looks. It goes with everything because of the black and gray. I can wear one of my many novelty T-shirts underneath to show which rock band I am supporting that day. I can zip it up. I can if I want to look a little more formal, as formal as one can look in the uh, tattered and gray <laughs> and black sweatshirt. This thing will never leave my side. It is my most beloved article of clothing. It is just simplicity, simple and beautiful. And it is uh, it's my own personal Cinderella story right from my closet. Can you describe the lining to us? Is it like a little bit of like almost felty, if not a little microfibery. What do we got? What do we got clinging to, 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 to more Nathan's of a, body? More of a microfiber. It's 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 got a little bit of elasticity, uh, which I think has helped with the longevity because it hasn't. There's no nice. no real tears. It's structurally still pretty sound. I, I think said, it's got another ten years in it. I said felt when I meant fleece. Is it lined with a poker table? Nathan? <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was thinking about how uncomfortable felt would actually uh, yeah. be. Fleece is the word <laughs> I, I was this, looking for. So this is definitely not felt. minus a point for me. But uh, yeah, that's well, Nathan. It is now. I mean, right? <laughs> this thing is even. It's one of those that gets He's even selfed. more comfortable as the years go by. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I love Sorry a good zip up. I mean, a zip up hoodie is like my favorite thing, but they also make me feel bad when the zipper stops going up 
and gets a little tighter around the midsection. So I'm going to have to work that into my scoring later and think about that. I've, I've, I, I've never had a zip up hoodie. Um, and I think they're, they're crass pieces of clothing meant for ragamuffins who spend all their time at rock clubs, um, trying to score, you know, marijuana cigarettes and, uh, <laughs> and little bottles of gin to, to, to drink and elevate their consciousness to listen to the rock and roll music or whatever. So, um, and so, I don't know, to, to all you um, outside the law folks out there, you know, take your, whatever your, whatever drugs you're doing, stick that in your pipe, smoke it, put your hoodie on, and check out, man, you know. Uh, I'll, this I'll, coming I'll from the here. guy that's got more wool sweaters church. than I know, does shrooms and yes, watches Yes, those are classy. Dude. Come on. <laughs> no, hold on. I do not wear a sweater. Okay, I have worn a sweater while I've, while I've been on shrooms before. But that's it. Okay, that's just not, you're not bringing, I'm not at rock and roll clubs, you know. I'm not, you know, trying to do, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. No, this, you're, you're pairing it with Nantucket red shorts and trying to go to a jazz lounge. <laughs> so, it's so different and cool. All right, go against this uh, hooded sweaty with your number four. What do you got? <clears throat> My number four is a beautiful American success Cinderella story, and that is the career of Gerald R. Ford. <laughs> uh, born, um, let me get his his his, his real name uh, uh, correct here. Uh, born Leslie Leslie Lynch King Jr. That's right. Um, his father deserted him and his mother. Uh, they moved. To Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, Christianity stronghold. I know now. Uh, her, uh, his, his mother remarried, found a new man. That guy adopted uh, Le- little Leslie, renamed him Gerald R. Ford. So uh, Jer- Jerry's got a new lease on life. Jerry's a tryhard. Jerry's pretty popular. Jerry gets to go to University of Michigan. Um, he he famously touts being voted team MVP his senior year. Um, but it was uh, just because all the actually good football players on the team, a lot of them were injured. So they voted him team MVP as like kind of a joke as like, let's give the kid who tries real hard in practice, you know, a little <laughs> attaboy. But they're kind of laughing at him. Um, and the team, I think, was 500 or below that year. So really not that incredible of a of a um, achievement. Um, and then he goes on to Yale Law School where he gets rejected. And then rejected again, so he accepts a job as a PE teacher, and he teaches physical cla- uh, education classes, and eventually just hangs around long enough. For like, all right, fine, you can come into law school. Uh, goes on to you know be a lawyer for a bit, and goes into politics and everything. And then the the the, the precipice uh, comes when it's am I be gonna am I gonna become a national figure or am I not? And he gets and he gets selected. Uh, who knows if he guaranteed a uh, old tricky dick. A pardon, I wouldn't be surprised, but who knows? There's no paper trail. Uh, he becomes um, the new vice president for Nixon. Nixon knowing full well that he will also become president one day. And um, I think then people don't talk about it enough, but the crowning achievement, in my opinion, of old Jerry Ford um, is when he beats Reagan for the Republican nomination um, in uh, 72 – no, 76 – was it 76 76. it was 76 76. yeah um and then goes on of course he lost it to to jimmy carter but imagine that jerry ford this this uh this driftwood filled with straw of a man beats ronald (laughs) reagan at in 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 a republican you know uh uh, a party boom inside of an arena like this isn't Democrat versus this is Republican versus Republican. So Jerry Ford rose to heights higher than he ever expected, um, and now I think his his um, his most impressive uh, legacy points are his appearance on The Simpsons. Uh, he loves nachos <laughs> just like Homer, and also let's be honest, his wife Betty Ford has had a much larger impact on on uh, on alcoholics and addicts throughout our country um, for a much longer time than I think his presidency ever has. And uh, it, I, I know I've probably mentioned it before, but you got to go to the Jerry Ford Presidential Museum in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's a delight. It's it, there's it's there's so many um, gr- uh, grammatical errors throughout the the exhibits. It's hilarious. Um, I you, you kind of think like, did Jerry write all this before he left office? This was like his last couple of months was working on this project. <laughs> if we um, weren't gonna shit all over it, I would love to do a show from inside the Gerald R. Ford Museum. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm sure we could get great Wi-Fi reception in the DeVos Learning Center on the first floor of the museum. So um, another problematic feature of the Jerry Ford legacy. Um, so, but yeah, Gerald Ford, I mean, the forehead, the receding hairline, um, the, 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 the trips, the falls, uh, but the man, the man got to the peak somehow. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I tip my cap to, to Gerald R. Ford. So I, I love the fact that he was president and nobody ever voted for him. He was the only person <laughs> that happened to, cause he was that appointed amazing. vice president. So he was, and then he, Nixon resigned. So literally zero people ever cast a vote for him to be the president on a presidential yep. ticket. And he still was the president. That yep. shouldn't happen. But no, there that you should go. not happen. But my favorite part <laughs> in this whole story is that, could you imagine being the stepdad that renamed the president of the United States? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I picked that name and he got all the way to the top. I did that. <laughs> what yeah. A, yeah, I and, think Cl- that might be true for Clinton as well, if memory serves. I don't know. We'll have to. We need a quick history section of the uh, podcast soon. Uh, also, I just want to say, I don't know why, but the name Leslie Lynch King Jr. just sounds like the name of a guy who would try to assassinate a president but fail at it. Yeah. <laughs> like he's got the rifle out, but then like, but then like Secret Service agents, you know, like see his dumb hat that he chose to wear to parade that day. And like that's been on the intel reports and they stop him. Um, I don't know why that just sounds like, uh, yeah, one of those, one of those, uh, creep psychos in the seventies that would, that would go for that. So, um, yeah, Jerry Ford, go for I'm, it. I'm, I'm all for that for, for this round. Uh, Nathan, you're going to get uh, two points for your hoodie. I would have given you three, but it reminded me that most of my hoodies don't fit me anymore. And that made me sad. Number uh, four for Mitch. <laughs> you know, deep down in my heart, there's no more fun name to say in a Ronald Reagan voice mm-hmm. than taking the Gerald R. Ford Highway. <laughs> and that is my favorite thing. So you're getting three points for this round because I, it's, uh, how, how many road trips have we said that on? We've been on the Gerald R. Ford Highway. Nancy and I like this road. It reminds me of home. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to our number three here. Let's go snake round. Back to Mitch. What is your number three? Yeah. My number three is um, is is a food product, and it is hard seltzer. That's right, folks. We have a stare down here. So I'm changing the rules a little bit today. You would think a food product would have gone against pork earlier. Uh, Nathan, can you reveal what your number one is for the audience? My number one, potato chips. All right. And the reason I have potato chips going against hard seltzer is they are both kind of either a, a snack or not necessary food. Pork is a food that you can just make for dinner. These are two things that have kind of a, a different kind of rise to them. So, Mitch, you said it first. Can you please defend hard seltzer for the audience? Sure. So, hard seltzer was technically created in 2013, um, a brand called Spike Seltzer out of Connecticut, but didn't really take hold. Uh, it wasn't until White Claw came steaming onto the onto the scene, like 2018, 2019, things started to blow up. Um, and now in 2019, it was, I read, the, the hard seltzer market is now up to $4.9 billion or something like that. It's growing wow. by almost 20% every year, year over year, which is just crazy to me. Um, the fact that something like that only three years ago was kind of no one really drank it to now. Like all my all my beer selection at my local grocery store is gone now. It's just all seltzers everywhere. Hard cider for a moment there thought, this is our chance. Let, let's let's get in there. Um, that's gone. Cider has been pushed out. Seltzer is, is kind of here to stay now. You got White Claw. You got Truly. You got uh, Bud Light makes a seltzer now. Coors mm-hmm. makes a seltzer. Uh, bon and Viv makes a seltzer. Uh, that's the official seltzer of the NFL, by the way. Um, you've got Henry's Hard Soda. You've got Vizzy. You've got, I mean, there's just, you can go on and on. I think Corona makes a seltzer now too. There are so, so many brands that somebody I actually went to grade school with started a YouTube channel where all she does is only reviews hard seltzers. Wow. So there's, I, there's a lot to choose from <laughs> to, yeah, to, to defend yeah, your, that's a your ton. topic there. 
Yeah, that's a lot. And I've I've and I've I've already ran into when I'm going to like get some alcohol and I ask like people if I'm at a party or hanging out say, you know, what do folks want? What can I get you? Uh, and they say, oh, a hard seltzer would be great. And I'm at the store. I'm like, oh, this brand who's like trying to break in, you know, um, uh, uh, Jock and Tugs, you know, hard seltzer for guys is like uh, <laughs> on <Jock> sale. <laughs> it's on sale for $10. Normally it's 18 Like, is this cool? Can I get it? And people will text back like, no, I only drink the claw. You know, there are no laws when you're drinking claws or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I only do truly citrus or I only do... Uh, uh, a Corona, you know, like pineapple mango. The brand loyalty is impressive in this in this market for sure. Yes, it's very fast. And and what surprises me about that is that the reason people drink hard seltzers is because they probably in the first place didn't give a shit what they were drinking anyway. They just want something that's low cal and will make them feel weird, feel funny, or give them the courage to talk to that hot person across the room. And that's it. So like, you're not drinking this because you're like, this is the best tasting thing I've ever had. It's like, this will make me feel lighter or I think I'm doing less calories when really it's still a high calorie thing um, because it's still alcohol. So, But there's room in the market, I think, here for UBK Studios Hard Alka-Seltzer <laughs> that will really just kind of start some brand loyalty with some Biz Bear brand Hard Alka-Seltzer. That'll do it. I, I've never had a Hard Seltzer. Not even one. Oh, gosh. I've never done uh, it. I mean, yeah. most Where are Where have you been the last uh, eight years? Quick math. Um, i just haven't done it i i don't know i it's never seemed that appealing to me and i guess i'm not hanging around the people who are drinking it all the time are are you afraid are you afraid of what it might change you maybe maybe i am i don't all right well i guess i'm gonna have to this is the year i think you look like a truly man to me truly truly pineapple or mango are actually is actually quite good but honestly i would say Hard seltzers make sense when you're outside in the sun. I can I get it there. We're we're like yeah. I I don't have anything to do for the rest of the day. I'm here at the beach or I'm here at my friend's pool and like we're getting weird. Yes, throw me a hard seltzer. I'll, <laughs> I I can chug it down. That's fine. But if I want to enjoy my beer or want to like pair it with food, hard seltzer sucks ass because it just tastes like medicine. Kind of most of them. But, but certain hard seltzers are just a really easy drink if you're just into uh, Lacroix, which usually tastes like water that has been sitting next to a case of strawberries for an hour. That's about how much flavor <laughs> yeah. is in a LaCroix. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if you just need something easy to get you back into, I did have one friend say once white claws got me back into drinking. So that's <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> there is good in the world. So, um, all right, before well, these, we dive too much, I, go ahead. Well, I was say these brains too, they now have a lot of them offer a pure, flavor they call it. so it's just it's no flavor at all so it's just carbonated water that gets you drunk um which at that point what? Why? like just don't drink or just do shots of vodka or whiskey and then just drink a th- something that tastes good i don't know i just uh, that makes absolutely I, I just, zero sense to me that's about uh, yeah. whatever i'm i'm not going yeah. i'm not taking that bait uh okay nathan you're number one you have the potato chip why is this your number one cinderella story spite um, that's why. <laughs> uh, so let me tell you the story of George Crumb. Uh, George Crumb was a, a chef who worked up in the Adirondack Mountains in New York uh, in the 1800s. And he is credited with inventing the potato chip because uh, at his lodge where he was working, you know, the fried potato has been a staple of human consumption for centuries. But, uh, you know, the sort of chips as in the, the English sense or fries as in the American sense or scallop potatoes or whatnot. So whatever uh, he was serving his fried potato selection, it got sent back to him three times by an unruly customer who was possibly a guy named Cornelius Vanderbilt III. Uh, although a lot of this is, is uh, falls into the category of urban legends. So that just seems too good to be true. But anyways, this unruly uh, customer, we'll call him Cornelius for the sake of the story, kept saying like, well, no, these these potatoes, they aren't sliced thin enough. This is and they, there's not enough seasoning. So he sent it back, which is always insulting to a chef, particularly one as well known as George Crumb. And so George <laughs> Crumb was like, all right, well, I'm a professional. You know, I, I take my customers very seriously. The customer's always right. So he made it a little bit slimmer and had some more seasoning. Cornelius sends it back again. Same complaint. 
George is a little pissed, but he does it again. Thins it out a little bit. Gets sent back two more times. And George is like, finally, you know what? I can't do it anymore. And he snaps. And he slices them as thin as he possibly can and dumps all the salt he has at his disposal on it. And he sends it out and he's like, there, take that. If he doesn't like it, he can just eat this garbage that he's sending out. So he sends it out and Cornelius loves it. Just can't get enough of it. He's like, this is amazing. This is the best snack I've ever had in my life. So George starts making them uh, all the time. They're called like Saratoga chips. This was the, the first potato chip and then of course something that good is going to have copycats and then boom the potato chip industry has formed the most popular and simple snack in a thousand varieties the perfect thing to serve at a party chips and dip just put it out everybody's going to eat it no bag of chips at a party is ever going to be unfinished and they're the most ubiquitous snack worldwide now and it all started out of one man's spiteful attempt to piss off his customer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, potato chips are a staple and they are going to probably be right next to the hard seltzers at your local barbecue. I mean, what else are you going to wash down the potato chips with? Then uh, f- taste of a flavor of whatever insert seltzer here. <laughs> this is hard for me, you guys. Mitch, what do you think? You're you're a potato chip fiend. Uh, yeah. What do you I think am. of the story? I um, I think uh, was it Cornelius? Was Cornelius Vanderbilt the third? Would that be the Cornelius Vanderbilt you're talking about, or is that his son? Well, the the Vanderbilt family was was quite prominent. This one was a military officer. This is no, most notable. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um. I was gonna say I've I've I'm in the middle of the of the Vanderbilt um, biography right now by T.J. Styles. Wonderful, wonderful uh, tome. Uh, it's very long, thirteen hundred pages. Uh, learning all about his his ferry business right now in New York City. But um, in terms of potato chips, I would say that mm, I don't know. I, I mean, do, do you have do you have any hard data on how long it took for them to take over the snack world? Like, was this? Was this incredibly fast in terms of those? Because I mean, hard seltzer took over yeah, the it shelves was, it was, at the grocery uh, store in under two years. Well, you got to remember, this was all just based on the Telegraph, and it still it only took. And uh, the numbers I found estimates vary from uh, as long as as six days all the way down to thirteen minutes. So it was uh, wow. it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty good. Wow. Okay. But 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 thirteen minutes in eighteen eighty seven time is like what four years in today's time is that what it is? Well, no, adjusted or for inflation, it actually it actually is the other way. So it could have been oh, like seven way. or eight seconds. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my god, son of a gun. I mean, <clears throat> okay, seltzer doesn't make you want chips, but chips makes you want seltzer. So what does that mean to you, Brian? I don't know. Did seltzer was seltzer <laughs> born out of spite? I, I mean, spite seems to be a, a, a bigger theme today. Drunk people you, famously don't eat after they get drunk. That's that that's is well true. Known. That is true. Uh, but uh, usually, I like to make sure Mitch loses. So out of spite, Nathan, you're going to get three points. For <laughs> so definitely playing to the host today. <laughs> All right, so that is the Uber stare down. Uh, like three, blah blah blah. Let's go. Kill you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. It's on record. This podcast is gonna end next week. We're gonna have a new third guy. (laughs) Where are you gonna find another white guy that does a podcast? Good luck. His name's gonna be Uh, Ian Bernst. He's gonna be way, way. He's he's not gonna have any facial hair. Um, Ian Ian Brunst. (laughs) Ian Brunst. Uh, let's go back to Nathan. Let's get your number three. What did you have here? <laughs> My number three. This is this is something that I don't know how it still exists or why it ever became a thing. And it's something I'm personally very much opposed to. But it has survived millennia for reasons which I don't understand. That is marathons. The event mm. of a marathon. Thousands of people running 26.2 miles for I, I don't know. It's like it'll be literally thousands of people like five of them have a chance to win. Still, everybody else does this. Now, let's go back to the beginning. This the legend is that this guy named Philippides, I believe he was the Greek messenger who ran from Marathon to Athens to warn them that uh, a ship 
was uh, coming where the, the the Persians were were coming to the Greek capital. And the distance is 26.2 miles. He ran the whole way, announced his news to the powers that be, and then collapsed and died. And for some reason, this is something we celebrate and mimic. <laughs> the guy died. Why would so, Why would you try it a second time? It's like, that looks... Somebody saw him collapse and thought, man, what a good way to spend a Saturday. And... <laughs> It's like a Greek Paul Revere, but and, it ends a lot sadder. And and so somehow people kept doing this over the years, and now it's like there's a whole culture around it. People are so proud of it. They put the 26.2 sticker on their window. And I think just if if we were to bring Philippides back today and he you drop him in the middle of the New York City Marathon and he realized what was going on, he would just run around frankly like like no just it's a terrible idea don't do this just don't do it and he would ask have people died doing this and be like oh yeah it's there's several documented deaths people get <laughs> hypothermia or heart attacks and it, you can very much die you're not the only one it's so why would you keep doing it it would it would just be such a slap in the face to know that you had so many copycats and people spend months or years training to achieve what he did and then they cross the finish line and they have the nerve to not collapse and die. They actually spit <laughs> in this guy's face and just go living their healthy lives and eating vegan uh, pizzas or whatever it is that they eat that fuels them to be able to do this. I don't know. But anyways, out of a terrible tragedy and a moment of heroism that never should have been duplicated, an entire culture and industry worldwide has no signs of slowing down. And uh, I don't understand it, but there it is. It is kind of against all odds that marathons still exist. And I have always said to anybody who's ever said they had a runner's high, fuck you. <laughs> Not, no, I don't care. There's so many easier ways to get high. And two, running is the dumbest human activity that hasn't been needed since we weren't on top of the food chain. We got, as soon as we got spears, no one ever needed to run again. So running is dumb. We could have saved everyone's knees and all these people that are either running with shit down their leg because they're on their last mile. <laughs> like, why is that an achievement? You could have I, just I stopped and gone to the bathroom if you weren't running a stupid 26.2 mile fucking run. I, I would love to, next time somebody uh, says that they love the runner's high, oh, you like the runner's high? You are going to love drugs. Let me go get you some drugs. This <laughs> yeah. is going to be just the thing for you. Like I've, I, I, I've actually experienced a runner's high once, and it was incredible. It was it felt really amazing. Not but at it. the end of the run, at the end of the run, it was only a five-mile run. Did it in just another 30 minutes with my friend who was an actual runner, and I just was kind of a casual I've never felt worse for longer from physical exertion. <laughs> exactly. I laid in his front yard and moaned for like an hour straight. It was so much pain. Yeah. The bane so. of my entire existence was the school mile run. Even when I was a healthier child and could actually run, I didn't, nobody <laughs> looked forward to it. It was like, I don't want to be in one, I don't want to be embarrassed by the kids who enjoy running. Two, I'm going to be fucking sweating bullets because I have gym third period. So now I have to be covered in sweat all the way to the end of the day. And three, why does this matter? What, who who says we have to do this at school? And I remember just being like, I could walk a mile in 15 minutes and still get a better grade than most of these kids. So boom, done. Why do I need this? The mile Nathan, is fired a, me up. The mile is, is a great time to flirt during school i don't know why you didn't realize that you slowly jog you chat you chat people up great time to flirt also did your school have showers you could have showered after the mile no none of our school in middle school or high school were the showers available because it caused more concern than uh hygiene uh, and the uh, people <laughs> too many people are gonna fuck around in the showers and, and take too much time and do all this and blah 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 we don't want to hear from parents who think it's too old to have kids shower at school. So I never mm. showered at, at high school or grade school, okay. which was okay. sad. And plus, it's not fun for me, who's always been a huskier kid, to flirt with somebody while doing this. 
<laughs> you go to the dance? <laughs> you like me? Cool. <laughs> we'll go for pizza later. <laughs> that is not a fun time for me to flirt. So, oh, God. Nathan, I wanted to give you three points, but now I'm all upset. You're only getting two because, God damn it, fucking mile run. Times 26.2. What's the worst idea ever? Mitch, number two. <clears throat> all right, uh, Brian. Um, my number two is is a national treasure. Um, if she Nicholas hasn't Cage? gotten no, no, oh, close. Sorry, wrong national uh, treasure. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, it, if she hasn't gotten vaccinated yet, God, please, someone go get her vaccinated because we cannot lose this person. And that is one of my absolute uh, tip top Mount Rushmore Hollywood favorites. I'm speaking about Jane Lynch. This is a wonderful Cinderella story, much like in the in the story where she's, uh, you know, um, at, at the manor, scrubbing floors, putting in her dues, um, getting looked down upon by her her hotter uh, step siblings or whatever. Jane Lynch toiled in in Hollywood, taking uh, guest starring roles, bit parts. Uh, her first role was in 1988, and it wasn't until she got onto Glee in 2009. So do that math. What is that? 12 plus 9 is 21. Um, and it wasn't until like season three where she finally got her her large scale due. People started to realize Jane Lynch is a national treasure. She's insanely talented. She is hilarious. So it wasn't until this time where she finally got those, those big roles she deserved. She finally got some financial security. Now she is... She's hosting was a Hollywood game night. She does that. She was in Wreck-It Ralph. She she voices uh, characters in tons and tons and tons of projects. She's got 222 uh, credits on IMDb. Of course, some of the, the, the bigger fanboys like myself will remember her from the uh, Christopher Guest uh, films, Best in Show. Uh, she is the world's number one dog trainer. Um <laughs> I mean, it's she's a mighty wind, former porn star turned musician. You know, um, <laughs> the, she just she she keeps killing the game. Uh, whenever she shows up in a bad CBS sitcom, it's she's always the brightest spot in the scene, always stealing the episode. Happens two and a half men as the therapist. She was amazing. Uh, I'm glad to say I haven't seen that episode, but I've heard that she was, very she good was, that, she so. was recurring and she was like the only thing that like, anytime I saw that scene, I would stop and watch the rest of it. You could, wow. you could skip, but she is a yeah. phenomenal therapist for Charlie Sheen. Yeah. So, um, I'm just so happy for Jane Lynch that she's finally like, you know, she's, she's on a, she's in a comfy place. People understand that she is, uh, she is a, 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 a gilded, uh, comedic legend at this point. So, um, I would love, you know, if, if I'm an executive somewhere, I'm giving her like a Carol Burnett style show. Let her just fucking extend her wings and show all of her colors. Um, Netflix, get on that. Ted Sarandos, get on that. Let's go. So that's my number two Cinderella story. And one of my favorite underrated performances is Dr. Kathy Walland in The Fugitive opposite Harrison Ford in 1993. Everyone forgets that uh, right. local Jane Lynch was in that movie. I recently saw that. Uh, that was the first movie I have seen back in a theater since this all started in a socially distanced theater. They're doing a replay of The Fugitive. And I saw this and I was like, oh, these are the scenes I remember. Other than uh, all the stuff that uh, John Mulaney has rehashed over the time. You switch the samples. But uh, the fact that uh, Jane Lynch helps him solve the mystery is one of my, one of my favorite things. So talk about a true Cinderella story that's definitely worth getting behind. Yeah. Nathan, what's your favorite Jane Lynch role? Uh, it is the uh, the dog trainer in in Best in Show. One of my one of my favorite classic movies. That movie, watching that movie was a uh, pivotal moment. Like sort of, you know, when you level up in a video game. That was sort of me leveling up as like a person within my family because we watched that at my. I was like thir- Yeah, it would have been. It came out I think in two thousand. So I would have been like thirteen, fourteen. Mm-hmm. And my sister Laurel, my cousin Andrew, and our parents were all there at my grandparents' house. My grandparents very proper classy people from uh you know a generation two generations before myself and we watched best in show 
and <laughs> it wasn't turned off. We watched the entire movie and everybody laughed, even at the uh, very adult humor. And I was like, oh, this is a thing I get to enjoy with adults now. Like that was so I'll, I'll never forget seeing that movie oh. for the first time. And yes, she was hilarious. So thank you, Mitch, for bringing up that that nice little uh, moment. No I'm problem. also yeah. uh, attuned to her role in Forty uh, Year Old Virgin, especially that scene where she improvises that Spanish <laughs> song that her former lover used to sing to her. <laughs> so, yeah. letting her uh, uh, spread those improv w- uh, wings in a in a yeah. I guess mass marketed movie as opposed to I mean Christopher Guest movies get seen all the time, but yeah. I feel like that's that getting into those Judd Apatow movies that really allowed her to get glee and finally get the recognition that she deserved that she should have gotten decades prior. Uh, that's three points for Jane Lynch. Come on, I'm not, I'm not messing around with that. Um, yeah, thank you. So I mean, I know Appreciate I'm scoring that. that before I give you your number two, uh, Nathan. But come on, it's Jane Lynch. Uh, number two, Nathan. What do you have there? This is very much the opposite of the marathon. This is uh, this is something uh, I think we all can agree is uh, a positive thing in the world. At uh, another thing that started with one purpose and just blew up. Uh, sadly, the people who invented it aren't around to see just how crazily popular this became. This is blue jeans. <laughs> blue yeah. jeans were invented by Jacob W. Davis and patented with uh, Levi Strauss in the early 1870s. They were, you know, they're designed to be a tough wearing, uh, sturdy garment, mostly for miners, people down in the mines. You know, it was it was a practical garment it wasn't supposed to be fashionable it, but uh you know people kept wearing them for working purposes then in the 1950s long after the gentlemen who invented them are gone you got marlon brando you got james dean you got them looking as cool as anybody has ever looked and they're wearing the blue jeans they become widespread so many variations you go through the bell bottoms you go through the skinny jeans you go through the ridiculous jinko jeans that are like 14 <laughs> feet in circumference and you could wear the chains and my favorite of course is the distressed and ripped jeans i would love to br- be able to bring back uh davis and strauss and just drop them in 2021 and be like hey guys this is it's 150 years uh later uh quick math and uh, <laughs> uh, 150 years later, and check out how many people are wearing these jeans. And if they go to the club late at night and they see, uh, or not the not like the club, but you know, a nicer upscale bar, but one where people are still wearing jeans, and they see all these women with the ripped jeans, they're gonna be like, "Man, I didn't know there were gonna be so many women working as miners, and they really worked their asses off. Like they're getting <laughs> torn up down there. No wonder they feel like they deserve a drink." But they would they would just be shocked to see jeans have spread to all the continents, and everybody has a pair of jeans. Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans that you just slide into, and they are the most comfortable and natural fitting thing it takes I, in my estimation it takes a good 14 months to really break them in and you before you know a pair of jeans how it's going to fit around your waist how it's going to fit at the knee how it's going to fit you don't want the jeans that dangle on the ankle the the cuff of the jean down by the ankle hitting the actual skin very unpleasant other than that though mm. jeans are a tremendous tremendous garment and uh, they came out of uh, humble beginnings I think part two of this time travel escapade is to actually take these guys and put them in the factory to watch them pre-rip the jeans. So they can go, what are you doing? No, you're destroying products. (laughs) Oh man, blue jeans are a good Cinderella story. Cause I mean, I mean, it's 49ers on, on down. We still got it. We're still wearing them all the time. So. Well, I'll say one of my favorite classic Americana looks is the denim shirt with the de- with the jeans and like, you know, sure, it's like I'm sure a lot of people that wear it is like a fake cowboy look. But, you know, like a belt, the big buckle, you got the you got the denim on top and bottom. Uh, I think Paul Paul Newman was famous for rocking that look every now and again back in the day. Uh, I know the, 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 the second Bush uh, as president, he would go down clear brush and something like that. Just a just a good solid, you know. Something on the verge of a Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just it's it's a little classier than that. Um, yeah, it's more Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. My my favorite jeans currently Muggsy. It's a it's a local Chicago brand. Their slogan is "Free your balls." I've got a little extra uh, fabric in the uh, in the trunk area <laughs> to help breathe for for your guys. They're incredible. They feel like a pair of sweatpants. They're they're so great. So. Um, I got a beef to pull with Muggsy. They don't make them big enough for men like me. 
So I can't even shop there if I want to. Oh, I'm sorry. So that was made me sad. I was like, you you talked up Muggsies to me for so long. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get these. You also talked up a pair of shoes to me once. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go look at it. Don't make them in a 15. They don't make the jeans big enough. I'm like, wow, this is why Mitch gets to be so stylish. And I have to go to the clearance <laughs> big and tall section of a Kohl's and hope that there's something nice. Wow, I, My life's tough. I, did, I, I didn't know you had... <laughs> Brian, let's just keep unloading here. Let's 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 keep this going here. Come no, on, it's just it's you, you, you got to shop like me. It's hard when you can't I put down the FARC. Shopping's harder. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is true. Yeah. Okay. It's so true. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I won't ever suggest more cool clothes to you. I won't ever do it again. I'm sorry. I apologize. Thanks. Let's move <laughs> it's on. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I will uh, goodwill hunting you later. Um, so blue jeans, I think, are definitely going to get uh, uh, three points as well. I love blue jeans. We've already heard Nathan's number one, which was the p- potato chip. So now we have to go back to Mitchell for your number one Cinderella yeah. story. What do you got? Also, I, I I won the stare down, right? The hard seltzer. I, I won that one, right? No, potato chips won. I thought I spite. did. No, I, th- I thought the hard seltzer won. Oh, okay. Are you sure? I thought you said no. hard seltzer won. Okay. Um. Are you sure? Do you, you want to check your notes? This is the uh, most my, feeble, feeble attempt at RetroCon <laughs> three points. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. Well, my, my notes are written in pen, so there's no erases here. So I'm pretty okay, sure okay. it's clear. Um, my, my my number one uh, Cinderella story, I actually wrote down the wrong year. I meant to write down 1997. I went back and checked uh, my historical notes, and it's 1997. Okay. So I just want to make that clear to you, Brian. Uh, so yeah. Got it. So my, my number one Cinderella story is the 1997 Dunning Little League A champs. That was my team, the Lowell Rangers. Uh, this was <laughs> an incredible story. Uh, we were winless during the regular season. So think like probably 0-10 or 0-12 or 0-8 or 0-6. I don't remember exactly how many games we played, but we're, we're 10-year-olds out there throwing, pitching, uh, swinging, missing, hitting, uh, bar- rarely, if ever, getting a ground ball and getting it over to first successfully. But but every now and again, um, I played shortstop and I pitched. Those are my two positions. I was I was one of the few kids I'm proud to say I, that I was able to to field grounders and throw it somewhat accurately. Thus the pitching. But we but we got in the playoffs and I'm assuming we were probably because I don't remember who, everyone uh on the on the opposite team rosters uh, every round, but I'm assuming there were probably a couple kids like that were on vacation or something like that. That's why we were able to storm through the playoffs. Um, but we won four straight games. Um, we 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 believed in ourselves finally. It was me. It was Jonathan who was the other pitcher. Um. He he was famous because he was he wasn't afraid to get dirty. He would just like fall in the dirt, roll around. Yeah. Uh, his mom didn't wash his uniform very often, so he was like the dirty kid. Uh, but he was also very good at pitching. Um, we had Freddie. Freddie was the X factor. He was the wild card. Uh, he was by far the best athlete on the team. But some days he would show up. I'm assuming like he just you know didn't have a great childhood. Sometimes he would just be really mean. He threw a bat at the coach once. Um, so yeah. So, so so some days Freddie would just like not care and just swing, like literally close his eyes and just swing and strike out as quickly as possible and go sit down and drink Gatorade. Or some days he'd like hit a home run and get like doubles and triples and totally kick butt. Um, and we we stormed through the playoffs. Our coach Paul Gleason. My favorite coach I've ever had throughout any sport I ever played throughout my entire childhood. Uh, he was one of my dad's friends, uh, also went to our church, was on my dad's softball team too. Um, he was a great coach. He knew when to show tough love. He knew when to um, just just give you like a little bit of expert advice. And he was always there for with, with claps and for support. And uh, I remember the the distinct memory of when we we won the championship we tried to we tried to douse them with the Gatorade you know uh thing of course but we didn't have a full-size Gatorade thing because we were 10 year olds so it was like a little bit smaller but we still weren't strong enough to heave it up have him not know it was coming and get him wet so instead he moved and we just got his ankles a little bit and uh that was our big celebration um and uh it was. I remember it was a super hot day, and the the day of the championship game was the day after we moved into a new house. So I like didn't get a great night's sleep. I was kind of unsettled because my new room had a door to the attic, 
and the attic was creepy and unfinished, um, kind of like your basement in your dream house. And um, <laughs> and I didn't play that great in in the championship game. We won three to two, uh, but we yeah we we pulled it out. And uh, so I want to dedicate this one to Coach Paul Gleason. Um, he's he's looking down on us. Uh, he passed tragically about ten years ago. So Paul, this one's for you. Uh, thank you for the memory of a lifetime and uh, the number one Cinderella story of all time. I lay it at your feet, Brian. Thank you very much. Uh, the classic Lil Ranger story. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a heartstring tugger. And in honor uh, of Coach Gleason, of course, I, I can't give anything to this but three points. It is such Thank a, you very much. Adorable you. little story of a bunch of little kids finally making it out of their rut. What a classic. Now. <laughs> Putting all the points you have together that pre- here. Did you have that pre-written? That sounded pre-written. <laughs> I didn't. I just wow. spelled weird. <laughs> so we have a lot of points to look at here. Uh, you both had two points each for quick math. So those cancel each other out. Um, but there is today's house rule, which I didn't hear yours, Mitch. Uh, can you refresh my memory and which number you snuck it into? Cause I do not hear, I did not hear you use the phrase. Oh yeah. When I was talking about, uh, uh, Nathan's, um, uh, gross little alley ruffian, um, zip up and at, at the rock club, I said, whatever yes. drugs you and your friends are doing, stick that in your pipes, smoke it, and then go listen to your music or whatever. So, uh, okay. Well now you yeah. just gave it away. So now Nathan can guess what was Mitch's <laughs> phrase that he had to say. Just stick it in your pipe and smoke it. Correct. And, Nathan, yeah. you get to three points. I didn't ask. Mitch just revealed it. Mitch, do you want to guess what Nathan's was? I'm going to guess uh, his was, boy. I'm going to guess. I, you know what? Actually, I have no idea. I, I was, I was, I thought I was listening. I wasn't listening close enough. I have no idea what it was. He said it was number it, five. Go for I it. I got it out of the way re- really early. I said they bungled it up when the uh, the <laughs> odds makers bungled it up and gave five thousand one odds. Damn! I got it out of the way quickly. I, I was, it was just weighing too much on me. It was making me nervous. It was giving me anxiety. I just had to get, get rid of it. Well, and, and well, this and was a that, failed that experiment. In house rules. <laughs> that one works perfectly for that betting one. Mine was, you know, Nathan. Did you have any idea what mine was though? Uh, well, yeah, I just, I just guessed it. Yeah, no, come on. <laughs> that was what I was gonna guess, and you can never prove otherwise. Bull, <laughs> bull freaking roar! Okay, don't, don't All try right. and blow me to the moon with that, with that Amy <laughs> story. Uh, uh-uh. uh. All right, then. So with a final score of seventeen to thirteen, Nathan, you are today's winner on a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the math checks out. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, no, no, My no. Favorite hold on, way to hold win. On. If, if he hadn't gotten three points, he still would have won 14-13. Correct, but he won by more on a technicality. Wait, quick math bonus, huh? And then t- uh, never mind, okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter, no points are... I, written them, I wrote them in pen. Uh, okay, you can't fine. go back, sorry. Uh, we cannot leave today without my fast five, which of course is the top failed store names that were too clever for their own good. Number five, Around the Bend. What seems like it would have been a nice local bike shop is actually an oddly specific travel agency that offers bike tours around small town Bend, Oregon. Famously known (laughs) as the home of the last blockbuster, Bend enthusiasts are trying to capture a new form of tourism to keep those copies of Air Bud World Pup on the shelves a little longer. Number four, calling the kettle black. A clever name for a tea shop, right? Wrong! This mini mall hole in the wall can only be entered from the alley, attempting to cash in on the squidding to food phenomenon that no one asked for. It is even more niche as they only sell black kettle foods, which is just squidding dyed kettle chips and popcorn. The tar <laughs> smiles of the unhappy guests are clearly a sign for help. Number three, in a pinch. What a cute name for a convenience store. Nah, in a pinch only sells oddly restrictive male underwear. Number two. <laughs> La dee da. What would have been a bubbly, colorful children's candy store is just a Chris Farley, Matt Foley impersonator in a dark room. You pay $5 to roast you. La dee da. <laughs> Number one. That one place. 
meant to be a hilarious marketing ploy. That one place was a general store with a bunch of unique finds you could only find at, you guessed it, that one place. When no one knew how to find this fucking place, a hostile landlord takeover kicked out the tenants that used their life savings to open it and instead rented the place to a sex shop that kept the name. That one place is now synonymous with lubes, rubbers, and cuffs instead of worldly treasures. Sad. (laughs) That's this week's edition of Uber Cinco. With not one, but two axes in the background ready to perform Wonderwall for you has been... Nathan Hennenfent. And the other guy is... (laughs) Matt Frankman. (laughs) And I've been Brian Ernst, and as BizBear always says, investing in crypto makes no sense, but what a ride, huh? Avita Zane, and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. (laughs) 